Hello, friends and colleagues. It's Nikki from Full Voice Music. Today on the podcast, episode 124, we are wrapping up season four of the Full Voice podcast by looking back, planning ahead, and getting our teaching studios back on track. Lots of great teacher tips, strategies, and hopefully some inspiration right here on the Full Voice podcast. Hello, friends and colleagues. Thank you so much for joining me for another podcast and what is the final podcast of season four. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you for tuning in. It is July 2020. And as of this date, We have now over 150,000 listens and a global audience. Thank you so much, wherever you are, for tuning in. I I cannot... I, I cannot thank you enough for, uh, for those of you who sent uh, in reviews and your comments personally. I do so appreciate it. I also want to make the announcement that our podcast is now on Spotify. So uh, you can, if you're a Spotify user, you can now find us there. Um, but thank you so much for tuning in. And I want to start off this podcast um, by just sharing a few things. Um, First of all, uh, I took a break for a couple of weeks uh, from releasing a podcast for for several reasons. One, um, I I just wrapped up my teaching year. I did my virtual recital and um, I was enjoying the conference, the virtual Nats conference, and I was refilling my cup with amazing presentations. And I was trying to reconnect with my family as well as uh, we are we moved into a larger office space. Um, the recording studio and the full voice office are now in the back hall of our church, Erskine Presbyterian Church, which is where my teaching studio is. So we were renovating and painting and moving, and I just needed uh, some downtime. But I also I'm just going to share a little vulnerable moment. I also got inundated with a lot of emails of people asking me to do a podcast about reopening uh, the studio back to -to face-to-face lessons. And full disclosure, it really, it was really upsetting. It really freaked me out because I truly believe there's no way that I could safely do that, considering that we do have a global audience and considering that there are different situations all around the world. And I had a few sleepless nights tossing and turning thinking about this because at first I thought, well, that would be really great information, but then it just scared me to death. Um, so my friends and colleagues, I I know firsthand how how challenging this year has been. And my teaching year was sabotaged right off the beginning um, with my dad passing away at the end of September and a very important and complicated surgery that was required in March. And then, of course, everything shutting down with the COVID-19. I know that we have all been through 
one heck of a year. And so first of all, I want to send out a virtual hug and I want to just say how sorry I am that this has been such a crazy challenging year. And for those of you who lost students and have been dealing with financial insecurities, um, all the people, I have so many friends that have lost their performances and have no idea when they're going to be able to perform and make music in a live space again. And I'm, I'm heartbroken for everybody. Um, I, uh, I, I just, it's overwhelming sometimes. So I, I needed a couple of weeks to kind of gather my thoughts. Um, so I'm not at this point going to offer a, a podcast that offers strategies for getting back to face to face. And um, I just feel that there's just not enough that we know right now. And there are situations and there are places in the world where it is safer to do so. And I want to share something with you in just a second. Um, And I know that some of you are really struggling with online lessons. It is it is just eating away at you, the, the sound quality, um, you know, it, it's, you may have lost students because that online format wasn't working. Um, you may not have had, uh, um, the studio culture that allowed you to reach out and help parents and families, um, depending on, on what kind of teaching situation you are in. And I know that it is very challenging. Um, Here in Canada, although our numbers are very low and that our numbers are declining, um, and this is a good thing, um, there is is a lot of discussion, a lot of talk, and a lot of preparation from our government and our healthcare for the event of a second wave. They are preparing for that. Now, I am fortunate in a way, I've already made the decision to not go back to face-to-face lessons for a couple of reasons. One, I I don't want to be responsible for making anyone sick or, or helping the virus spread. And this is my personal opinion. Um, I'm also teaching out of a church which has made the decision to keep its doors shut. Our church has transitioned to an online service. Our congregation is actually enjoying it a lot. Our tithing is healthy. We are still able to reach out into our community and help people. And we are, uh, so I wouldn't be able to bring people into the church even if I wanted to. So that kind of makes things a little easier for me. Now, for those of you who are really struggling with online lessons, and uh, it, it's, it's been very challenging, I wanted to share a post that was in the Voice Teachers for Young Singers Facebook forum. And I want to clarify something first. So this post is from Mandy Griffin. And Mandy is a is a podcast listener. Uh, hi, Mandy. Uh, she loves to listen to the podcast when she takes her dog Fernando for a run. I know this because she's she shares pictures on socials. Um, now, before I uh, before I read her post, I want to 
explain to you that Mandy is going back, has gone back to -to face-to-face lessons. Now, Mandy lives on the Isle of Man. That is a small island off the coast of Ireland. It is small and they locked down very, um, very quickly and, and they put things in place. So currently they have no new infections. So the government there on the Isle of Man has given people to go back to, to teaching in person. There are still protocols, but I wanted to share her post because I think it will offer some peace for those of us who are not yet able to go back to online lessons. So this is from Mandy's post, and I do have permission. She said I could read this on on the podcast. So thank you, Mandy. So this is her words. Today was my first day back teaching in person, and I was a little anxious about having students back in my house after three months of having no one other than me and the dog. I was also anxious as to how it would be seeing them in person again and whether they had actually progressed during our time online. I needn't have worried. I'm sharing because while I know some of you have been doing in-person lessons already, to those who are yet to transition back or who are concerned that the online lesson experience hasn't been valuable or worthwhile, I can honestly say that the 11 lessons that I had today The 10 people who have been having online lessons came back sounding more confident, more secure. And then in brackets, she says, all of that unaccompanied singing has paid off. And when we looked through the songs they've been working on at home, they just nailed it. I don't think it's just the excitement of seeing and hearing them in person again. I really think their progress has been greater than if we hadn't been online. I was thinking as we were going along that this was the case, but I wondered whether I was just trying to convince myself. Long term, it's made me realize that I over-supported at the piano and must not get back into this habit and that my students are more capable of working things out for themselves than I've given them credit for. But it has also removed any concern I had that students were not getting value for money. Everyone has also happily adopted my extra hygiene measures without question. I know I'm lucky and others are not yet in this position, but if it provides any comfort to those who have been struggling with online lessons, please rest assured that your students are fine and you are doing a great job. I can't tell you how much joy that post gave me. And for those of you who are worried that you're not giving value, I think that summarizes a lot, and I hope it brings you a bit of peace. I, after surviving my virtual recital, um, I have an inbox of emails from grateful parents who thanked me for creating a safe space for their student, for their child online, keeping things fun, and keeping them singing. And I know that so many of you have the same, you're, you're getting that positive feedback. And I wanted to bring this to your attention. And I wanted to share Mandy's, Mandy's wonderful words there. Because I also know 
that some of you are or will be bullied. That's the word I'm going to use. You will be bullied into going back to face-to-face lessons. We've heard this many times. I've seen this on the forums. I even had one student try to pull this on me. We'll come back to lessons when you go back to face-to-face. Please don't let families who are just trying to make sense of everything on their own terms, don't let them make you do something that is unhealthy, unsafe, and goes against your boundaries. Now, looking back on this podcast season, we have talked a lot about boundaries. Michelle talks about boundaries all the time in her business and marketing tips. Setting business boundaries means being assertive and telling people that that is not how I do business. Now, for my family that has said we will come back when lessons are back to face to face, I didn't, this isn't a threat, but I did tell them the likelihood that I will have a spot for you is pretty slim (laughs) because now with online lessons, I can teach anybody in the world. (laughs) It's not a, it's not a local demographic thing anymore. And while I understand where they're coming from, I cannot hold a space for them. And, and I feel really bad because this is a family that I loved. And I know that they are going through a lot right now. And that the online lesson and trying to get everything set up for that is just not working. And I respect that. And hopefully I will have a spot for them when things go back to normal. But I cannot guarantee it. So I hope that Mandy's words bring you some peace And let you know that even though the lesson pacing is slower, even though there's still the headaches and the hiccups of the lag time and of the Zoom calls or whatever medium you're using, it's worth it. Creating a safe space for your students online is valuable. Do not, do not discount the price of your services because they are online? That is a question that has come up again and again. Do I charge less because the lessons are online? No, you do not. Your time is your time, whether you are staring at a computer or whether you are staring at somebody standing across from you. Please don't do that. The other reason for not discounting your services is because when you do go back to face to face, you're going to have to have that awkward conversation of why your prices are going up drastically. And that's going to be really difficult. So I I am wishing everyone courage, assertiveness. The other thing that scares me, if I can be so bold, um, is that when we do go back to face to face and with the new protocols, you are going to have to be assertive and set very strong boundaries, especially when it comes to wearing masks or disinfecting their hands. And we see that this is a challenge now. There are people that think masks are not viable and there are people that don't want to participate uh, like this. And for those of you teaching out of your homes or bringing people into a public building, this is, this is going to be a challenge. So again, I do hope you are able to protect yourself, protect your loved ones, set those boundaries. You will probably have upset people, but they're not upset at you. They're upset about everything else. So now, uh, before I get into my topic today of looking back and planning ahead, I do want to shout out to 
all of the podcast guests from this season. I I'm not I can't thank all of you personally. I I'm I'm just so it's been such an amazing year of interviews through this past season. We have discussed, and this is just a handful of topics. Many different marketing and business topics, branding, social media, historical vocal pedagogy. We have discussed uh, welcoming students of all ages and abilities. We've talked about inclusion and uh, helping students with special needs in our teaching studios. We've talked about caring for transgender voices, dealing with emergencies, building communities, spotlight on teacher studios. We talked to a lot of multi-teacher studios this year. We talked about balancing performance and teaching, practicing challenges, working with families in a way that is a partnership and not a punishment, uh, health and wellness. And of course, when COVID hit, we, we transitioned all our topics to help you navigate to the best of your ability. I want to thank each and every one of my guests. I know that I have leveled up. I have learned so much. I have new ideas, new language new inspiration, and I hope that you do too. Now, if you've missed any of the season, please go back and check out some old podcasts. I say old. They're not that old. Um, go check some of those those topics out. I guarantee there's lots of teacher takeaways. Now, here we are. So our topic today is looking back, planning ahead, and getting your studio back on track. Now, the first thing I want to say is that, like everything in life, we actually can plan all we want, uh, but things are going to change. And we certainly discovered that this year in our teaching studios. So here's my question. I like to ask questions. How were you able to navigate the big changes and the big shifts in your teaching studio. Were you able to do that productively, gracefully? Did you did you rise to the challenge? I mean, most teachers transition to online lessons like in just a few days, if not overnight, when everything shut down. Um, uh, how is how was your mindset? Are you still complaining about lag on online lessons? <laughs> is that still a thing for you? It could be. Um, I know that uh, change is difficult. Change, change and resisting change causes so much suffering. But um, how were you able to navigate that? Were you able to navigate that? Are you still struggling with it? And what can you do? What can you do to make these transitions and these changes smoother? Now, I have to say that... Um, I and many teachers are using tuition-based studio models, policy models, where um, there are flexible weeks included throughout the year. Now, flex weeks are weeks where uh, students can come in for a lesson if they have missed a lesson. Now, flex weeks are interesting and they are valuable because they're not just for your students. They're for your emergencies too. They're for your illnesses too. I, I know that so many teachers will teach sick. They'll teach tired. They will teach knowing that, that their children are at home sick because they feel that they have no choice and they can't miss a lesson. 
You can book flexibility. You have to book flexibility into your teaching schedule. You need to give yourself a few weeks. You need to give yourself time off. So I do hope in planning for the next season of teaching, you look at your schedule and look at it with flexibility for both you and your students and your families. It is so wonderful. Now, in the show notes, I am going to put a link to Wendy Stevens' um, Compose Create website. She has some fantastic articles that really lay out the tuition model. If If you signed up for the National Association of Teachers of Singing virtual conference and you're probably still digesting some of the presentations, I highly recommend that you check out Michelle Marquardt's DeVoe, Change Your Studio, Change Your Payment Policies, Change Your Life. Fee Structure, that's what it is. Sorry, Michelle. Change Your Fee Structure, Change Your Life. It's a presentation on the different payment models. She does a fantastic job. Tuition is just one way of getting paid. There are others. And she talks about those different ways and the, and the pros and the cons. If you haven't checked out that presentation, please do so. Such good things. So in looking back at our, at our year. And and for me, I think I'm pretty sure it was a year ago about this time is when I start to plan out my season. And I always reflect back on, and I always get feedback too from my families. And, And then I always try to incorporate changes that work for me and for my family. So one of the changes that I did last year was because so many of my students had transitioned into high school and were now navigating examinations in June, my teenagers were miserable, stressed out people in January and in June when they had, (laughs) when they had their exams. So that was something for me in my teaching studio as I stopped putting my recitals in January and in June (laughs) when the kids were having their exams because they were stressed out and they weren't able to really enjoy themselves. So looking back on your year and really without having feelings about them. So... And I know this is really challenging. So before I get into this, I do want to say that if you are feeling a little beat up right now, if you are truly exhausted, worn out, sad, tired, I do hope that self-care and rest are on the top of your list, your priority list. And you might want to invest in some of that before you reflect and start planning out your year. Um, it, you may still have some open wounds right now. And I appreciate that. That was one of the reasons why, um, we delayed the release of this podcast is I needed to take some time. I needed to turn my brain off. I needed to focus on some other things, reconnect, read some books that weren't vocal pedagogy or marketing books. Um, so if you don't feel that you are open and able to reflect on your teaching year in a healthy and positive way, give yourself some time. Because when you look back on your year, if you take things personally, you'll, you won't be able to make healthy choices moving forward. Um, 
And I think sometimes, I think sometimes what teachers do is, you know, we have a bad experience or we have a situation with a family or a student. And then what we do is we go and we write another paragraph or two on our policy form in kind of like a little passive aggressive thing that we do. And I know you're thinking about when you did that. We all do it. Okay. So I see you. Anyhow. So in, in reflecting back and looking for opportunities to make our studios a service and a place where people want to be um, and how we can facilitate wonderful lessons. We need to look back on the year. We need to see which students did really well and which students maybe struggled a little bit. You know, and what was interesting, one of the takeaways, big takeaways for me with transitioning to online lessons is how uncomfortable my students were singing at home. That was such a huge, like they were very miserable singing at home in the beginning. That's not the case anymore. They soon learned that singing at home is not a big deal. Families and siblings are busy doing, leading their lives. They really don't care if you're singing in your bedroom or in the hall or wherever. But that was a big takeaway for me. I also noticed how um, a lot of my students are really horrifically disorganized human beings. Now, I know organizational skills are learned skills for all of us. But again, that's making me think, how can I help my students? How can I keep them on track? And how I uh, distribute um, uh, materials. Some of my teenagers do not use email, so they don't get those messages. Um, like for some of my students, now they live in my area. I literally printed up the music I needed them to, we were working on and left it in their mailboxes. Um, and don't think I went, like they literally live like down the street. So, but that, that was a big, that was a big thing. Seeing how they're, they either are using technology or they aren't using technology. And those kind of things allow me to kind of plan um, how much time I'm going to spend on songs, uh, when recitals are going to be, how I distribute music, what my fees will be for said music. If I'm going to be printing up a lot of stuff for my families, uh, then that's going to be included in a fee. So again, reflecting on what I can do better to make things easier. Now, making things easier and spoon feeding, those are two different things. So we have to check in with that. Now, one of the more challenging things that we can look at in our teaching studios, and I really want to inspire you, I really want to encourage you not to take it personally, is losing students. There are a lot of reasons, a lot of reasons why families will discontinue with you. And of course, when COVID shut everything down, we had a lot more reasons why families may have chosen to discontinue. And it's important to look at those reasons and, and, and see which ones are not in your control. So if a family lost their jobs, it is so understandable that they would have to discontinue. Um, if a family was struggling with online, the online experience, 
Now I'm I'm very lucky. My my students did very well, and I have a very positive and families are involved and welcome. I have an open door policy. I talk about it a lot. I know many of you would prefer to keep parents at arm's length. Um, but I honestly believe that the open communication and the, the relationship that I had with families is one of the reasons why I was able to transition all of my students to online lessons. Um, but it's uh, one thing I, I wanted to share is, is there are some children that are not comfortable with the online. My son is going to be 10. He does not like the Zoom meetings and the classroom meetings. He found them very stressful. He found them very embarrassing. He did not like the classroom meetings where everybody was talking and the screen was changing. Now, I think a one-on-one would be easier for him, uh, but he does not like it. It makes him really nervous and it gives him a lot of anxiety. And this is something that I've never seen from my son before. So I have a, I have a, a, a greater understanding from a personal experience of why some kids may not be enjoying it. Again, I would like to think that the one-on-one talking to one person online is different than having a classroom of nine-year-olds talking to you and heartfelt hugs to all the classroom teachers out there for navigating school as you did. I'm, I, my heart is with you. I I don't even know what to do about next year. Um, so in looking at losing your students, going back to losing students, um, there are things that you can do to help, help that. But some, some of those things are out of your control Um, One of the things that I will say, and I have always said, is your relationship with families, uh, although it is a business relationship, it is also a personal relationship, whether you like it or not. Families are dropping off their kids. They're not dropping off pants for dry cleaning. These are their kids. And yes, I know some of you are thinking, yes, but this mom gets too involved and this dad asks all these questions. That is is part of our service. That's what I believe. Helping parents understand and and understanding everybody's objectives and and training uh, parents, um, teaching families how to best support their kids has always been paramount. Because I know my families very well and because they are comfortable talking to me, I was able to help quite a few of my families navigate the transition to online lessons. I did not send out long-winded emails. I had phone calls. I did FaceTime things. I would walk some of my families through setting up their Zoom rooms and their microphones and their devices. And every week I would always ask my families how everybody is doing Parent feedback, and we did a whole podcast on this. Parent feedback is very important. And understanding what's happening in, in a child's life, how they are supported, how are they are not supported, the stresses that they're going through is so important. So 
that was one of the keys to my success in my teaching studio. And I do hope that you will, you will look at the relationship that you have with the people who are paying you and open up the lines of communication and let people know that you're there for them. Um, the other thing that I did was I upped my communication big time. So I sent out a lot of reminders. I sent out friendly, funny um, emails with pictures of cats and dogs like sitting on top of a laptop um, saying, you know, can't wait to see you. I sent out reminders knowing that families were not in their usual routine. Um, and I managed expectations. I let people know that well, this is new. We're going to figure it out. There's going to be some bumps. So I, upping my communication, keeping the lines of, of communication open, managing people's expectations and being available, I think were keys to my success of keeping students. Now, one of the things I want to mention to people, if you did lose some students and, you know, you're setting up your year, if you're kind of getting ready for next year, I would recommend that you that you don't hesitate to reach out to students that may have pulled away in the beginning. Situations are changing and a heartfelt email saying, hi, how are you doing? I hope you're doing well. I just wanted to let you know that I'm going to be teaching online lessons and I know this wasn't a good fit, but if you are interested, please reach out and let me know. Letting families know that you are still teaching, that there's still a spot for their students may be one of the most simple ways to get some of your families back. And of course, with grace and dignity, if families are not there, don't, don't feel put off or, or disrespected. They may not be able to continue. But schedules have changed and there's a lot of school and kid activities that are not available right now. And going back to a private singing lesson might be something that they are interested in. So again, reaching out to students and families and letting them know that you're continuing and that, uh, and letting them know that your online lessons have been fantastic. Um, and that uh, there's a lot of success to be had, that's a really great conversation to have. Now, reflecting back on what Mandy's words were, what her comments were about um, uh, the skills leveling up with our, our online lessons, um, there is so many wonderful opportunities in online lessons to challenge our students and to um, focus on a lot of the skills that we might not have been able to work on due to the fact that a lot of our studios, a lot of our students are performance driven. I think Michelle calls them repertoire driven students where we are constantly working on songs, working on auditions. And if for those of us who are staying online, um, we now have this opportunity uh, to actually spend time on those musicianship skills. 
So there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great resources out there. So um, in preparing and moving forward, um, we may need to look at how we're going to restructure our lessons and maybe include some new um, skill sets that we can focus on. I found um, ear training to be very easy to do with the online lesson. I found um, screen sharing was fun. So for my students that were working on some music reading skills, if for those of you using Zoom, um, showing a screen share of the piece of music and then using the annotate. That's where you draw on the screen. I love those because you can put on check marks and stars and hearts. You can circle things. You can even have your students do that on their end. Um, if they're using, I think if they're using a PC, I don't know if they can do it on a, on an, an iPad, but, um, that was actually a lot of fun. That was far more engaging than on the, the stand in the lesson. So uh, in, in moving forward, how can we expand our offerings and some of the activities that we can now focus on in the online lesson. Now, this is something that uh, colleges and universities are looking at, um, choirs are looking at. I've seen a lot of the children's choirs locally are now offering online theory classes, online music reading classes, online fun activities for their choristers. I know the universities are looking at... Um, similar types of online courses because they won't be able to sing together uh, in some places yet. And there's a lot, there is a lot of activities that are now actually pretty easy, if I may say so, to offer online. And there are teachers that are using games. Um, so you can screen share music games. That can be a lot of fun. Now, yes, you have to do your due diligence. You have to go and research some of these games and you got to try them out and, you know, see which ones work for your, your students. Um, but there are just a lot of additional activities that will help our students in the future for their future performances. But it's the nitty gritty stuff that's not as, uh, that was my Fitbit telling me I've been sitting too long. Um, there's, there's, there, it's the nitty gritty stuff that often gets put aside for repertoire development. Now, one of the things that I did with my students through the online lessons, which was so much fun, was a repertoire discovery looking for new music for them to sing. Um, sometimes my students would share their screen to a YouTube thing. Sometimes I would just look it up and bring it up and we would discuss the song. We would discuss the challenges. Again, that's something that teachers have shied away from in the vocal lesson. You know that weird thing where if you're not singing for the 45 minutes, it's not a valuable lesson? That's garbage. There is so much planning and discussing that I think is important. Now, don't get me wrong. We need to let our students sing and we can't be blabbermouths. I'm really bad for that. I could talk all day, right? I have a podcast. Anyhow, um, but letting students hear new music, discussing new musicals, dis like active listening 
active listening was was one of the things that I made my students do. Because in my in-person lessons, if I asked my students to go home and listen to a performance, they would never do it. And if they did it, they did it distracted. It was not active listening. It was not even listening. It was background noise listening. So active listening activities are fantastic. Making, forcing, I'm going to use the word force, forcing students to listen to a classic singer, to point out things that they may not have noticed. I love it. That's one of the things I love when I get together, hopefully face-to-face someday. But when I used to get together with my musicians, uh, friends, and my singer friends, like we would discuss the nuances, the details of a singer. I loved that. And they would bring my attention to something that I had never even heard before. My husband and I, because he's a talented musician, we have these conversations often in the car, often to the dismay of my son, who's just trying to listen to the tune. And we're trying to pick out the bass line, the sampling. Sean can tell you how the guitar is tuned or not tuned. Like we, we tear apart a song Uh, in great detail. And again, that is something that is a learned skill. It's not a waste of time bringing our students attention to the fine nuances of singing and music is active listening. And it opens their ears and their minds to to things that will help them down the road. So that's another wonderful opportunity in our online lessons where we are watching, discovering new repertoire, discovering new singers, highlighting the techniques and the the uniqueness of a singer of a song, such a valuable thing in your teaching, online teaching lessons. That's also a valuable thing in in in-person lessons, but I, I always found it awkward to take up the lesson time in, in if they, you know, again, it's that whole, if you're not singing, it's not a, a productive lesson. I have to stop thinking that way. Uh, anyhow, um, moving on, I just, I want to, um, I want to just, I want to inspire you. There are a lot of opportunities. And looking back, if, if the online teaching pandemic isn't allowing you success right now. If you have, if you were working out of a music education center or you were teaching out of a school, I know that your world has been rocked and you probably have lost an enormous amount of your income. Um, what, where do you need to go from here to rebuild? Is it time to teach? Can you teach online from your home and, and open up to your own students, um, and can you can you start to build a studio that way? That that may be where you need to go. Um, it's a very challenging time, and I and I do want to acknowledge that multi teacher studios right now are are really struggling. And I have many friends that are teaching in multi teacher studios, and they're not able to teach in the facility that they were hired to teach in. And yet they're using their equipment and their time um, to teach online. Well, and it's still yet paying a fee. And again, this is such a challenging time. Um, and I, I don't really have any answers. And, and again, I'm, I, I, in our new season of the podcast, 
uh, this may be something that we can look at and discuss. So uh, my friends, my, my dear friends and colleagues, um, I do want to wrap things up. And again, I apologize. This podcast went in a couple of little tangents. Um, I've had a lot on my mind about online lessons and moving forward and wrapping things up. But I wanted to share a couple more uh, thoughts and hopefully some inspiration. So a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, reminded me of um, uh, an old Buddhist text. And the, the saying is, um, pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Um, and and I, I think that goes without explanation. Uh, but she, she reminded me, she said, you know, it might be more appropriate to put in the word change. Change is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Now, this past year has been an enormous amount of change, which is why so many of us are, have had our breath taken away and our spirit taken away from us. And again, I do hope that if you are feeling discouraged, if you're feeling tired, that you put self-care at the top of your list and take some downtime, uh, a, a quiet moment, um, a walk, a book that's not about vocal pedagogy. Uh, take some time for you to to reset, connect with your family, or disconnect with your family. <laughs> Whatever is needed, please take that time because if you can reflect on the changes that have happened in your studio in a positive way, I guarantee that you will see opportunities. Our choral directors are finding these opportunities. Um, the music programs at, at a lot of universities and colleges are looking for the changes that they can make to make it work. And there are amazing opportunities. I, I keep reminding myself that, you know what, I can teach anybody in the world now. We're all online. And that, that was, that's huge. Um, and there's just so many wonderful resources that can make it work. So in looking back at all the changes, and, and how many of you feel more confident now using technology? I, I love when people are like, I'm not tech savvy. Yeah, you had no choice. You figured it out, and it's it's wonderful. And there will always be challenges, and there'll be new things to figure out. But you, it, that I think that's that's one of those. It could be a challenge, or or you could rise to meet that challenge, or you could complain about it and suffer. So, again, I hope that you can find some peace, some quiet, some stillness some time to reconnect with you and the things that you love and then look at what's coming in the new year and the opportunities that are so available to you and your studio and your students in the upcoming year. As always, I am wishing you an amazing day. I'm hoping that you stay well. And, of course, Happy singing. Made my canoe music. Canoe music.ca.